turning luxury into a sustainable luxury is one of the most formidable challenges that this industry ever faced. A, because the planet is suffering and we need to change our behavior. And B, because the new generation of consumers are demanding it. I think the, the companies are in for a bumpy ride. Speaking of bumpy rides, hop on in. Go ahead, take the wheel, as they used to say. You're in the driver's seat today. I'm Ricardia Bramley, and I want to take you on a ride into future dimensions. It's the year 2045. I know the EQS is a bit of a vintage car these days, but I just love the feel of it. And hey, the city of Marfa is only 900 miles from here. We'll get there in two charges. I've wanted to see this place forever. I can't believe the biggest attraction already went up 40 years ago. Never heard of it, huh? Let's ask my old friend here. Hey Mercedes, what's so great about Marfa? At first glance, Marfa is just another desert city in West Texas. 25 miles northwest of it, you will discover a very special site, inspired by a legendary European brand, a fake luxury storefront. Actually, it's an art installation. It was set up in 2005 on a lonely highway. By building it and then leaving it to rot, the artists meant to criticize luxury goods and consumer culture. But the store developed a life of its own. People from all over the world traveled to see it. It never surrendered to its hostile desert environment. Instead, it became an icon, and it remains so to the day. Also, the goods that are on display inside bear witness to the way society's understanding of luxury has changed. While the initial bags were made from leather, the latest set of bags and shoes is made from fully regenerated and biodegradable materials that will, when degrading, have a climate-positive impact. Don't you think it's interesting how we've completely changed our views on what luxury is all about in just a few decades? How its meaning has changed? Back then, it was all about consuming luxury to feel different. Nowadays, it's more about making a difference. Wait, what? Back to the present. Why were we future tripping here? What was that detour to 2045 all about? Well, consider it a conversation starter, a vision. We're looking at a future in which luxury and sustainability will go hand in hand. Because change is in the air, people. This is Future Dimensions, a podcast by Mercedes-Benz. In every episode, we'll explore visions of a more beautiful tomorrow. Because shaping the future always starts with a vision. Ready to ride? For today's episode, come ride with me across the luxury universe. Let's explore how the groundwork for a future where luxury and sustainability go together is already in the making. Take the fashion industry, for example. It's changing. But let me tell you, we're only just getting started. And the task is, well, quite a challenge. But before we come to that, we've got to figure out what does luxury even mean? I asked a couple of experts that exact question. A luxury object is something unique. It's something that gives a feeling uh, rather than just being a tangible object. It's something that 
makes me feel different? Something of extreme quality, exquisite design, fascinating beauty. Luxury is an almost unattainable and possibly even slightly indecent and sinful dream. Something you would stretch out for to possibly reach and realize it. Something that is designed with precision and it's beautifully crafted. Okay, that's a lot to unpack. But what I'm getting is this. Luxury is a basic and a higher desire. We're wired for it by biology, but we question it with our conscience as well. It's passion, it's desire, it's something you'd go long distances for to get it. But hold on, there's more to it. And there's someone who's kind of good with this question, so let's hear from him. Miss Coco Chanel once said, some people think that luxury is the opposite of poverty. It is not. Luxury is the opposite of vulgarity. And in my opinion, this is a beautiful definition that says it all. The man you just heard is Portuguese marketing consultant Antonio Paraíso. He called me from his hotel room in Turkey, where he was working. I picked Antonio because I wanted to get to the bottom of what luxury is all about. I didn't have to wait long. When I was in Sydney, of course, I went to see the Sydney Opera. You have to. The beautiful building. It's iconic. But then as I arrived, they had two shows. One show, Don Giovanni, the opera, and another show, a piano concert by one of my favorite pianists, uh, David Helfgott. And during the pause, they served a flute of champagne. It was like eight in the evening, and we were having champagne and seeing beautiful Sydney Harbour. That experience I will keep in my memory forever, and I'm getting goosebumps right now just telling you this story. Antonio is a storyteller. He can't help it. It's part of his business as a consultant. But I could tell that this experience in Sydney really moved him. So it's not only about physical things. It's also about elusive memories and stuff. Right, Antonio? Luxury is the combination between perfect tangibility and seductive intangibility. Everything which is tangible in luxury must be close to perfection. The quality of raw materials, the quality of the product, the quality of the manufacturing, the design, the beauty, the touch, the texture. But in order to be luxury, you must add seductive intangibility. You must have details of a story, details of art and culture. And only when the object has tangibles and intangibles, the mix will produce luxury. So, on the one hand, luxury is something that you can see and touch. And on the other hand, it's something emotional. Noted. However, what we think of as luxurious does not only depend on an instinct that we all have. Where we come from also matters. Well, the French perspective is more about being distinctive and being rare and not showing off. From the American perspective, it's more conspicuous consumption of luxury, which means it should be visible. This was Dr. Vided Patat, or as she described herself to me, a human hybrid of an academic and an entrepreneur. Anyway, she called me from her apartment, right in the heart of one of the most luxury-driven cities out there, 
Paris. Between sending proofs back to her publisher and heading out to New York, Dr. Batad also explained to me why, for her, luxury is a multidimensional concept. It's something evolving, which means which is luxury today for you. It's not going to be luxury uh, for you uh, in 10 years, for example, because you are going to have a job, a great salary, and maybe right now you're consuming premium brands. And then later on, you're going to consume other brands because they, they mean something to you. Okay, what we can't deny, though, is that luxury does have a material side to it. And this material side, well, it comes with an environmental cost. Luxury always tended to pull more resources and to draw more more capacities than is technically useful. Now, what I'm saying makes me sound like a complete and total grouch. I understand that. I love this guy already. That was Benjamin Burkhaus. He's a researcher and a published expert on luxury management. He's not entirely convinced we can pull off luxury and sustainability. And he has a point. I try to get away from this idea of being a grouch because I don't, I'm not trying to be so, so negative. There are ways, but I think the, the straightest path from here to sustainability is not to buy. And then again, we're just trained. We're trained since we're on the planet to purchase stuff. And that's, we need to, we need to get away from that. But if we know that consuming luxury goods might not be the best idea, why are we so fascinated with them? Well, first of all, luxury does not address the needs of the body. It addresses the needs of the soul. And the, the needs of the soul are a desire. It is fascinating because luxury is made of beauty, is made of perfection, small surprises. It, it is full of details related to art and culture. It tells stories. And all this generates such a strong emotional connection that makes people dream. And this is why luxury is fascinating and desirable. Okay, so as humans, our desire for luxury is so strong because in the end, we're longing for something out there. Some detail that hooks us into it, some story that just makes us feel something. I guess we can all relate to this feeling of longing, right? Wanting something that's out there somewhere, over the rainbow. Since we're already on storytelling, there's still a puzzle to be solved. How do we get the sustainability thing in there? Let's hop on over to Finland and find out. Fashion is about change. That's what it is. That's what gets us excited. But then sustainability is about stability and longevity. And um, how those two, like sustainable fashion, how those two uh, words contradicts quite a lot. So that got me thinking like, okay, what, what could be the alternative? That was Sofia Ilmonen. She's a fashion designer and the founder of the brand by the same name. She's about to leave her Helsinki studio to spend some time in the Finnish countryside, but she agreed to talk to me about sustainable fashion. She won the 2021 Mercedes-Benz Sustainability Prize at Hier Festival. And her approach to change the fashion industry, one garment at a time, is really unique. The fashion industry has been putting sustainability front and center for a while now. Big luxury brands have come forward with different initiatives. 
they switched to renewables, opted out of leather and fur, and increased transparency in their supply chains. And they have to. Research by the Boston Consulting Group suggests that 38% of consumers have switched from a preferred brand to a brand that is more sustainable or responsible. See that? That just goes to show big visions happen one small human at a time. Here's Sophia's take. I think it's definitely a lifestyle for me. Like sustainable values has been long with me and with my design processes. And it's kind of like the frustration towards the the fashion industry and how it currently operates. So it was kind of like a personal urgency for me. Just like the first human to probably invent a wheel because carrying things was too exhausting, solutions are born from frustration. Sophia thought of a way to not only produce in a sustainable fashion, please excuse the pun, but also to make her garments appeal to their owners longer. So my my design approach is uh, slightly different. And I would maybe consider that to be some sort of uh, luxury for sure. So it's modular transformable design where the modules are square shaped and they are all um, all the same size and shape, which means they can be assembled and resampled again and again. So a top can be a skirt, skirt can be a sleeve and so on. The high-end brands, they they do have the resources, so perhaps they could do even more than just, just those kind of uh, little changes. Sophia is committed to changing the system. Like many, she feels some of the big brands aren't doing enough. We need to question production and consumption patterns. And if we keep on consuming the way we do, things won't change fast enough. We need change from the ground level up. And that's where Dunya One comes in. Dunya works at Vestiaire Collectif, a French online retailer for secondhand luxury goods. Its founding mission was to tackle one of the industry's most pressing problems, textile waste. If we want to align uh, with the 1.5 degrees pathway by 2030, we will need to live in a world which one out of five garments is coming from a circular business uh, models. So we, we, we know that today, this sector, so the second-hand uh, uh, market for fashion, is really part of the solution. We tend to really um, make uh, second-hand really desirable, attractive, and, uh, and sexy, I would say. Dunya is the company's chief sustainability and inclusion officer. Before joining Vestiaire Collective, she worked in French politics. Pushing for more sustainability has always been important to her. Vestia Collective was really built on according to a problem in fashion industry, which was overconsumption and overproduction. We really want to move away people from fast fashion by giving them the opportunity to uh, to get more desirable but also more qualitative item on an affordable uh, price. And the second is also the way we communicate with our community by telling them that it's not just about buying, buying, buying or selling, selling, selling and buy firsthand, but really combine the two and change the way they consume fashion. So we're always saying um, the good rule is one in, one out and, and buy less, buy better. Lucky for all secondhand fashionistas out there, secondhand is actually a luxury lifestyle now. 
Dunya told me that shopping at Vestiaire Collective saves 90% of the environmental cost of a new item. And 70% of the purchases on the platform are actually replacing a first-hand purchase. Dunya says this trend is only going to continue. We tend to see how much sustainability is taking a part of the consumer thinking when they tend to buy a new item. There is a, a, a shift for all consumers. Um, and I guess the recent pandemic really accelerated also. Where everyone stopped and everything changed, uh, people ha had had the time to think about, is that really necessary? Do I really need that? And I guess it's the first step uh, toward uh, changing the way we consume um, generally. Could it be we're actually turning into smarter consumers? I think in every way, consumers are both more conscious, more active, more demanding, and they're looking for purpose and genuine impact and effort from the brands and, and the goods that they interact with. We're increasingly reading the back of the packaging, and it's not just to see how, how, how many calories something holds, but we're looking to see where it's been produced. That, my friends, was Dasha Krivonos. She leads the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies, a think tank that analyzes megatrends. Or as she likes to call them, tectonic changes. Dasha worked for a large Danish shipping company, so she knows a thing or two about navigating difficult waters. She called me from her hotel room in Helsinki, where she spent the weekend. Sustainable production will be a thing in the future, for sure. I think the focus is sincere and I think many companies are putting their money and their decisions where their mouth is, if you will. Huh, if they put their money where their mouth is, will they put their money where the luxury is? What do you think, Dasha? Luxury was supposed to make us look different. Then we transitioned into we also want to feel different. And I think now we're entering this stage where we want the luxury goods or brands to help us make a difference. You can make fun of the idea of conscious shopping or hashtag activism, but consumers are waking up, and in large numbers. And it's not just them. Big business, shareholders, employees, all of us are like, wait, what is happening? I think that's a positive push for change. I also think it's a difficult push for change because it doesn't cost the consumers much to post something online or to add a hashtag or something, while the companies, they can't respond to everyday viral posts, but they somehow have to respond to this change in consumer sentiment in a way that they can actually manage, especially if you're talking about tangible goods. It's a whole production line. It's usually big companies. It's difficult value and supply chains. So I think the, the companies are in for a bumpy ride because they have high consumer expectations. They have high standards they need to live up to. Changing business models can feel like turning around a big old cruise ship in a matter of minutes. It's practically impossible. You may not get a return on investment the very day you make it. So you're not building a factory, but you're building a loyal, trustworthy uh, relationship with your consumers going forward uh, based on integrity. But it's a difficult exercise because you need to pay for something now that will not pay off in the next maybe five years. And it's not a tangible thing. Um, you're buying goodwill, future goodwill. Uh-oh, delayed gratification in the age of online shopping? Not easy, but fortunately, this is a trend Dasha is already witnessing.
We're also seeing sustainability being worked into financial models. We're seeing sustainable indicators moving into uh, credit ratings. And we're not there yet, but in every way, I think it's moving very much from a, uh, from a charity case to an investment proposal. And it's moving into the financial decision-making rather than just something we do in a sustainability department because it makes it, us look good in the annual report. But the question really truly is, uh, will luxury ever change out of its characteristic of being something slightly indecent, slightly irrational, sometimes very irrational? Luxury brands and the luxury industry is traditionally extremely resilient to change. They're rather perfecting than reinventing the wheel every other year. Okay, here comes the grouch again. Hi, Benjamin. It's okay. I can I can take that role. I can take. I wear it. <laughs> Turns out, even being the skeptic that he is, Benjamin thinks that change will come around. I think for several reasons there will not be any way around it, but not necessarily because the consumers are asking for it, but because regulations are absolutely rightfully coming in more and more. At the same time, the industry has an enormous appetite for growth. And that growth has to come from some sort of an idea, some philosophical new discovery. And I think this new philosophical discovery for growth in future will be sustainability. And that's, I think, why sustainability and luxury will come together. Luxury brands need new challenges and turning Luxury into a sustainable luxury is one of the most formidable challenges that this industry ever faced. And those who perform quite well and give this whole product idea a new spin, because it's not about performance anymore, it's not about only emotions anymore, but it's about being smart, being intelligent, being elegant, because not being wasteful. That is something that some of the leading brands have tapped into, but boy oh boy, do they have 15 or 20 years to go. And that's, I think, great news for the industry. You know what's weird? Even though this ain't going to be easy, I feel a lot better knowing there are people out there working on making us smarter consumers and the planet a better place. This was Future Dimensions, a podcast brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Please don't forget to subscribe, comment, review, ask us questions wherever you get your podcasts. That's it from me, your host, Ricardia Bramley. Till next time, ride on and stay curious. Curious.